Lost Talk Radio. Aloha, welcome to Talking Pictures. It's Friday night. Happy Aloha Friday. This is a uh, we did our female filmmaker Friday, but we recorded that Wednesday. Um, and it was great. It's doing great. We want to thank Victoria again and Kath. And of course, Cameo, who kicked off episode one. Um, and yeah, this is just a cool, this is going to be a cool, mellow episode. And we're going to have our, our executive producer, our co-executive producer, Jim McNulty, is going to be calling in. Uh, Jim had to take a hiatus for some personal reasons, but was still involved with the show. Uh, still, uh, we would talk about it and he would give ideas and thoughts and all that stuff. And, uh, before I bring him back on air, he's been a part of everything we've done since day one. And this is episode 283. And as we run April into May, we're going to be lining up some advanced reviews for you guys our usual April film festivals, some uh, special stuff, stuff that, you know, you're just going to have to wait to find out. But we do have past episode 300 booked and ready. So this is going to be a wonderful thing. And Jim has been someone who... uh, since the very first day has been a part of the show. And it's really cool to have him with us. Let me make, let me bring him in. You with us, Jim? Uh, Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Welcome. Okay. Yes, I'm with you. Uh, Yes. Welcome too. I'm, uh, yes, yes. I was just a little bit nervous. I guess I have stage fright. It's been so long since I've done a review with you. Oh, yeah, no, no worries. Uh, Just letting the audience know, you know, we've done 283, and uh, audience out there, new audience, new supporters, um, there was a time where we thought this might be 28 episodes or... Uh, that the 200 would just be us talking film. So we're so thankful that it involves people from all over the world. What do you think about that, Jim? Yeah. Isn't it crazy? 283 episodes. Isn't that wild when you think about it? It's one of those cases of uh, you're somewhere in your life and, you know, a few years later you look back and go, wow, how did I get here? Man, what happened? And, you know, this is a case of having that happen and just, whoa, this has been a nice ride. Yes, that's the perfect way of putting it. Jim put it perfectly. It is, uh, you know, I remember looking down at uh, a list of like 10 or 15 friends and thinking, okay, and maybe they'll come back a second time. So 30 will be a nice run. We'll, We'll have two months of this, but, uh, and that wasn't being negative, you know. There was no, there was no negativity. It was just uh, none of us had done a podcast, and uh, 
uh, podcast three and a half years ago, we're still fairly new. Um, so yeah, so we're uh, excited to be here. And what a great movie today. We are going to, I know uh, Aaron and I, we did an Oscars wrap and discussed uh, the great films of this season, but this film in particular uh, had to wait for Jim to see because he told us about it. As I had told you, Jim was on hiatus, but he was still offering ideas to the show and doing active behind-the-scenes roles as a producer of uh, just the usual creative space. And he mentioned this film to me, Call Me By Your Name. So I want to start off with, of course, this won the Oscar for Best, adapted screenplay uh it gave us the youngest male actor to be nominated for an oscar uh it gave us so many great things and so since jim since you introduced this film to the talking pictures world i would love for you to start off wherever you'd like to start oh well i you know i said i was i had a little bit of stage fright about you know it's been so long since I've done a review with you that part of it was it just the wanting to really, oh, God, I've got to be intelligent. I've got to be sensitive. I've got to be, I wanted to honor this movie because, you know, after a lifetime of seeing movies and uh, being moved by them, having fun, being scared, this was a whole new experience for me. I mean, there have been really good, you know, uh, movies with a gay theme or touching on close to that. And uh, this was a new experience for me. I have seen movies with a gay theme that had, you know, a positive ending, but this is, it's in a category of its own, in that there was none of the storm and drong, I mean, the hand-wringing or the fear or the, you know, so many of the negative things, you know, the protagonist dying, going crazy, uh, you know, being killed, that type of thing. This, um, I, I was just totally, well, let's put it this way. I've heard people say that it was too long. And I think they sort of missed the point because uh, this, you know, it's based on a novel. You can read something like this. You can get the idea of something like this book, you know, the the book that the movie came from. But something that only a movie can do, and it did it in this movie, is it gave a texture that, you know, like I was going to say, the the movie, you know, people have said was too long. Well, that was part of the texture. It was that uh, the beauty of the countryside, yes, never 
thought of Italy looking like that. I've seen so much of Italy, never having been there. But, you know, I just have. And that was sort of an opening, a new, fresh perspective. And the perspective was really fresh in this movie. It, well, the, I like what you're saying about the texture of time because I, of course, felt the same way uh, and who I thought with felt the same way. We felt like, oh, 15 minutes too long. But as you're explaining this, I think sometimes there's those movies where, say, a movie is about a part of life that's boring, and they'll say, oh, that movie was boring. And it's like, well, it was about a boring part of life. So I think (laughs) sometimes we are kind of taken off by that, uh, you know, like that thing that you and I have discussed so many times that I've, I've had a... Uh, friendly debates with so many people that still just don't see that a film is uh, half the the movie is half you and half the film that you're bringing all of your good bad your baggage to the airport and sure we, we use it to escape we use it to laugh we use it to not think about something but the stuff that's in us is is in that seat, and uh, I I love what you just said about the, there were just so many textures to this film that I I really want to suggest that people, um, I know it's kind of weird to hear us say uh, the report consensus is that it's too long, but give it a few viewings. Hey, you have it on DVD, you can... You can fast forward a few minutes. You can uh, skip the scene that you already know and you got everything out of it. I'm not saying jump around, but uh, yeah, so this film did have so many textures and there was so many things that were, uh, of course, I didn't know it was a book until they were announcing the uh, screenplay nominations. Um, I think I vaguely remember you telling me it was a book. Uh, but the textures were so fantastic because, like you were saying, and I didn't notice this until you pointed it out, was, uh, you know, considered gay cinema, uh, gay cinema, whatever that is now. And there's no AIDS. There's no someone dying. There's no someone getting hit with a lead pipe. There's no suicide. Uh, there's no disowning of relatives. And I think that was probably the the freshest thing. I think that was why the movie, like, I think of it as like a roller coaster ride of emotions, but you didn't have to have a seatbelt on. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, those I mean, movies yeah. usually are, right? I mean, like, we're usually, we're thinking, okay, now one of them's going to get AIDS or... They're going to lose their lover, or I mean, you know, you think of Philadelphia, that's such a, you don't have your roller coaster on that movie, you're just going to, you know, you're going to have a mental breakdown. So um, (laughs) this was, now you you brought up these points, and I'd like for you to reference uh, how you, you, when you presented them to me the other day, you were uh, the best example that we can give the audience for them to relate is Brokeback Mountain. So how would you like to tie this into that with, you know, what you were telling me the other day? 
Well, it's basically, you've covered part of it. Brokeback Mountain was, I mean, you know, totally, absolutely loved it. And it still had that uh, negative aspect, you know, the ending. It was like, oh, my God, you know, please, why have you done this? That ending has been done so many times. You know, it, it just. Okay. No, 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 no. But it wasn't just that. It was like, that was a recent movie. Then you have Moonlight, which, in the, you know, as beautiful as that was, and I, in another movie that I got, it's the words don't always come because they, uh, it was Moonlight. It was Moonlight. You know, to be given that, it was just, it really, really had heart and soul in it. And, you know, to go a little further, it's not just the the negative that happens to a lot of these movies. There's also that thing where a lot of times if you have a movie that is in quotes gay, it has to be funny. You have to like sort of in some instances excuse me <clears throat> laugh at the main character or the characters who surround the main character. That's oh, the yeah. departure the departure with Call Me By Your Name is that I felt I just I was gently landed in an Italian village in a, you know, time when time and space were going to just be stretching out. And I think everybody's, or at least I have in my life, been through those periods of time where it's just going to, it's going to stretch. And how I felt, you know, watching the movie, being in that space, I appreciated it. It's like, oh, this is just being right now. Just going to be for a while. And that being within it was that texture, was that tension. Because of the time and the space, what I think was beautiful was the way the tension between the characters, all of them, you know, and it wasn't always, it definitely was not neg- necessarily negative tension. It just was there. It was a living part of that summer. And what came out of that? And it just, <laughs> really, I found it really touching. I, you know, there were times when I went, oh, the tension in me because it was stretching out. And I just, you know, it was like, oh, let go, McNulty. Just go with this. You know, they know what they're doing. And, you know, doing a beautiful job of it. I mean, the... Uh, yeah. The, well, no, the, the one of the... Was, when you had said about Moonlight last year was you had said there was no words and there still are no words for Moonlight. And I think Moonlight, uh, 
for everyone who saw Moonlight, and that was one that I know, like Brokeback Mountain, pushed people uh, past who have comfort zones or opinions uh, and was able to cross so many barriers. Uh, Moonlight, on a side note, I wanted to tell you, I don't know if you ever noticed, Uh, I noticed this the other day. I feel so dumb. The poster of Moonlight is one-third slivers of each guy's face to make up the face on the poster. And I never noticed it until I saw it real close on a computer screen. And it was so weird. The left side is a beard, the right side is a kid, and the middle is a is a teenager. And it looks like one person. And I thought, this, oh my gosh, as if the movie couldn't get any deeper. Um, yeah. And of course, and that was of course best picture. Of course, Brokeback Mountain. We weren't ready to give it best picture. I forget. I think that was the year of, I want to say Crash, because there was a real big controversy because I remember Heath Ledger was up against uh, Joaquin Phoenix for Walk the Line and Philip Seymour Hoffman won for Truman Capote and it was just this crash I think was kind of the default because everyone knew Brokeback Mountain was the best film of course it won best director Um, call me by your name what what I loved about it so much too uh, even though I had brought myself past any regular human opinions or judgments, which Brokeback Mountain gave me. And, of course, when you have Larry McMurtry, uh, who goes back to writing The Last Picture Show in the 70s, um, these this thing that you were saying about being, I really felt... <clears throat> Because just months before I had spent my first time in Europe, I really felt that air and that breeze and like we were just sitting on a cobblestone road and we were just enjoying what the movie was going to be and we weren't half, we were, there was the tension, but there was tension that wasn't explored. So it was like life when you're at lunch People are in a bad mood. Your friends are in a bad mood. You don't need to hear about it. It was about the boy. And it was about, okay, cool. And I remember a really funny scene where they kind of got that everybody was in a bad mood and then got on their bikes. And I think we've all had those moments where it's like we walk in a room. Oh, hey. Okay, bye. Um, And I think that was something, too, that Moonlight did that where it just sat with itself. And I think... These are, uh, Call Me By Your Name was the film that I think it was the last thing that we got to see because they were only running it at the theaters that are like $14 matinees and uh, three of us going to the movies, it's like 50 bucks for a matinee. I mean, it better make Lawrence of Arabia look like a, you know, frog's screwing uh, infomercial. Um, yeah. And okay. Call Me By Your Name was so, uh, like I, like you had mentioned, um, it was not the way movies transport us and we say, oh, we were believing that. It really was like you went to another country 
and you got to be there and you got to just have that silence that Europe has. And yes, just so many, the silence. I love the silence. Yes, and the the great thing, and I'm sure it goes on all the time because I I don't believe that they just master it for when you visit. The way that I know Canadians with a heavy European influence and bloodline. Um, one of the things I love about Vancouver, but also being in Switzerland, was just the whatever the moment is, is the moment. Even if it is stressful traffic, even if it is something sad or a sad discussion, there's still just the having the moment. And that is that does not happen in America. You have to be into such, you know, such high meditative level levels or an elder or you have to have something just so bad happen to you that you learn to live in the moment and we're because we're not conditioned to we're not conditioned to just say okay you know what this is just great that we're having a sandwich this might be my last sandwich uh so i'm just going to enjoy the hell out of this turkey and cheese and that's what was so cool about europe was it was just like we're sitting here having gelato so it's like calling by your name they're jumping in a pond. Doesn't matter if they have a million bucks. Doesn't matter if the grad student becomes what he wants. Doesn't matter if the teenage boy uh, cries or doesn't. It's like they're just in a pond. And I remember sitting in Switzerland just being like, we're eating gelato and looking at girls walking by. Like, there's really nothing else in life right now. <laughs> like,. <laughs> And call me by your name just did that. And it's, there's, and as you know, an audience, there's so much going on when you're making a movie. There's a hundred people behind the camera. There's microphones and cords and gear and people watching the clock for time pay. And so, yeah, I got I got to stop you on that because I just realized, as you were saying, there are so many people on the set and the whole thing that I, you know, I guess this happens to people and it happens with different movies and that, but just for me, particularly with this one, it hadn't entered my mind. I was, even my memory of it is just being in it, to be in it. I was like, huh, it's interesting for me to just, just thinking that in my mind right now. You know, I, I do appreciate that you said, you know, all that stuff was on the set because it really wasn't part of it. It was, oh, there was something, right. there's something actually about this movie that is transcendent. And, I'm saying that, and I'm trying to describe it. I want to honor it, but I don't know if I can really nail it down. And I don't think maybe, you know, we're doing a review, but maybe it really doesn't have to be nailed down. It just has to be experienced. Like the characters were experiencing their life right then, right there, with the, you know, the breezes, the heat, the... 
the shade, the, um, yeah, just experiencing it. Like, um, one of the things that I, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit to the, uh, to Elio's father, because I think everybody has been <laughs> touched by that. And he, I guess most people, at least my understanding is that most of us want to be heard. You know, it doesn't happen often in life for somebody, you say something and somebody actually hears what you're saying. But what this brought up for me is something I'd never uh, thought of before. It was to be felt. When his father was talking to him, he wasn't saying anything to his father. But he was being felt. And the father was giving that to him. A real, I mean, just an incredible gift. You know, an incredible life gift. An incredible, uh, incredible piece of acting. I mean, whoa. That just, you know, I, I, I'm, after I was out, I'm going, I've got to find, you know, I've got to find his monologue somewhere. Because there's a, there has a grace to it that I would love to share with the people in my life, you know, like my nephews and, you know, my niece and stuff like that. It's, it, yeah. Speaking of, you know, like texture, it would just add, my feeling is it would add something into my life to be able to share that monologue with somebody. You know, I I want to share the movie, but, you know, uh, not everybody's into movies that I know. (laughs) Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and that was definitely... uh... The scene is a spoiler, um, but, uh, you know, just this, this scene, we don't need to go into what the specific of the scene is, but the, like you're saying, the idea of being felt, I think felt goes one step past being understood, because I think being understood, we can say, uh, I've been in a car wreck too, or my father has been in the hospital also. Um, I understand where you're coming from. I know that uh, to actually be felt um, is something that now that you mention it, it's stirring in my brain that really does come from uh, a father, uh, a mother, and that's obviously just the huge DNA tie but also the the highest order of a friend of definitely a 20 year plus minimum friend, you know, and then you mix in maybe how old you are. So it kind of equals if you, if someone's known someone way longer, but to uh, you saying this is really interesting because it just sparks for me. Uh, the other day I was having a conversation with a friend of mine that I've had for 25 years and I'm 39. And so to me, that's like 45 years knowing someone and, and 
there was just a moment where it didn't click for me until you just said where he just said, hey, my situation to you is A, and uh, my situation to you is B, but if you just step over here for a second, we were both feeling the exact same thing. And when he said that, I didn't get to you just said that, that it was really just that kind of like, you don't have to separate. We had the same thing, just I was wearing a blue coat, you were wearing a red coat, and maybe it was six months apart. But we stepped into that same exact feeling. And that's where, uh, as you said that, that just rang a bell in my mind where there's such a grace to it that you cannot plan. So uh, what I wanted to emphasize when I mentioned the crew was not giving the crew credit, but was acknowledging that the movie created such a space to vanish those things. It's one thing, you know, to have to pull that off with the one thing to have a moment of grace with someone you've known 25 years. It's another thing to create grace while someone's saying, okay, now we have two hours to get it and cut. Okay. Print. Okay. When are we having lunch? And, you know, so that was what, uh, this was bringing across emotions, which we all know grace cannot be planned. Um, it cannot yeah. be set up. Um, you'd never know when it's coming from. It can be as tiny as someone giving you a drink of water versus bailing you out of jail when you didn't think they'd answer the phone. Uh, and that's what I thought the movie did so well too, that I'm glad you brought it up because see, this is what's so great about this movie is that this movie kind of, uh, there were so many references to fruit, trees, gardens. I felt I found it as a metaphor for growing. I didn't think they I didn't think they overdid it. But this movie really does grow on you as you kind of yeah. not like any movie, you know, where you look back, oh of course I think about this. Now I realize the girlfriend was pissed. It's like this movie actually uh, is getting sunlight and is getting energy and is evolving into something. And that, that is like you're saying, maybe there doesn't have to be uh, a quote for the billboard that it can just be watch the movie and let the movie be what it is uh, for you, which as we said is so rare that Moonlight was one of the ones to just uh, take everybody's tongue out of their mouth. Yeah, Moonlight was like a a change, as far as I can tell, in uh, Hollywood, in movies, and not just Hollywood. It was a a definite change. There's been a you know a shift that that movie. I don't know if it reflected it so much as it it was the change. Just that movie was a change, you know, and. yeah, really, you know, beautiful movie, beautifully acted. Yes, uh, please, you know, something you miss Moonlight, definitely what Jim's saying. That's that's one of those that did uh, people reference changes in cinemas. 
as uh, the graduate or topics not being talked about. And we understand those were relevant changes and those shaped what we see and watch. But Moonlight was just uh, the changing of an art form. And in fact, Jim, you were probably, uh, you verbalized it because we reviewed it on air, but um, the first time I ever heard of Moonlight, uh, one of our guests put on Facebook, Moonlight, no words, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) And there was, and just, or Moonlight, see it, dot, dot, dot. And it was like, and so I, I never even heard someone say it was good. I just went off of the opinions. And yeah. when we talk about, you know, <laughs> when we talk about a film considered gay cinema, I saw it, uh, finally got to see it the day after the Oscar nomination. So, of course, the local theaters cram all the nominations back into their lineup. I walked into the theater. Yeah. I live in a very conservative part of Southern California and I walk into a near sold out theater 150 people of just youngest person there is 65 and up white people not saying all white people are conservative or none aren't judgmental my father's a white 67 year old man etc but I just thought oh this is going to be a uh um, actually, I'd seen it once. I was taking my mom to see it, so I'd seen it once, so I knew. So I thought, oh, okay, this is going to be intriguing. And it was definitive silence with just the occasional, wow, great, wow, never seen anything like it, wow, amazing. Um, and that was what was kind of cool about Call Me By Your Name was coming out of the theater, there was the silence but not the bad movie silence. Not that shit, I spent $15, but at least I had a good date or I'm hanging out with my friend. It just had yeah. the no one really had much to say. Uh, my mother and I had a brief talk about the, uh, and it's all I'll say about the what's going on in the world with, uh, with underage stuff. And my mother made some clarifications about Europe. And it was just one of those things where it was just great that even if that was something that had been a point of, or could have been a point of contention, that it was really just like, okay, well, that's what it is. So you go, you go off and start your fire that you want to start. I don't need to hear your fire. You know? <laughs> And that's what I thought was so great about the film was that any emotion, um, and I'm so glad that you brought up Jim because I really wouldn't have caught on or wasn't paying enough attention that for everyone out there, uh, you know, if I, if I really had to pick a top reason to see this film, it would be finally that there's a, a movie considered gay cinema that does not, I mean, even Moonlight had to have violence, that does not have to have violence, that does not have to have bullying, no one has to get AIDS, um, and it can just show the same human condition uh, that we live, 
that that I, yeah. I that I. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it, uh, you, you, you mentioned gay cinema. This is, you know, usually, you know, a gay theme and about that. And I've, you know, heard people say, and I, I really totally agree, this movie is the human condition. Oh, At yeah, its yeah. best. At its best. And, you know, that, like I said earlier, it's a gift, a real gift. And, I mean, even, too, there was the one thing that, as far as, you know, cinema, cinematography, oh, is it, would that be the word to use for it? There was one thing in the movie, that scene with the hand reaching up to take the fruit out of the tree, that was, like, just sort of tweaked in a way the rest of the movie didn't. And naturally, you know, think of the uh, uh, the garden of, you know, the, uh, taking the uh, the apple or whatever the heck it was <clears throat> with Adam and Eve. And it was like, the, it, what it actually triggered in me was, I heard a nun once describe that, you know, Adam and Eve and going for the apple is actually necessary that and it was necessary in the movie that was the the knowledge of good and evil was a blessing I know it sounds weird but it was a blessing because it was coming into being uh, more realized more human more uh, more truthful you know, instead oh, of yeah, just yeah. being hidden under a bucket and the whole thing. And it was just, it was, I went, oh, that, you know, that, that just reverberated with me. It, it uh, I liked that. And it, I really, it's hard to describe how that one little hand going up there seemed different, you know, out of space and time, out of that. Uh, flow that the movie had, and it was just appropriate, or maybe it was just my perception of it. I don't know. No, I there was. Well, I mean, the movie was so full of wonderful moments, and it was so full of little tidbits that could be for you or not, or you knew or would never know. Um, I mean, even as as we say, human condition. I mean with the boy also having female relations. And I remember, you know, thinking, uh, you know, the first time that I ever had relations with a girl and then it was like, uh, this isn't going to be anything. Can we be friends? You know, not having that clue that it had to be either or, or that it doesn't have to be either or. So just even just that little nice moment was like, Oh, they're just, uh, this nice soup is just having a little bit of salt, doesn't need to spend a bunch of time on the salt, can just present it to you. And I think, uh, you know, I just, I I know Moonlight kind of took its year. Um, so, so it's, you know, it's almost like the joke about there's no way Hillary was going to win president after a black man was president. Uh, it's almost like, 
there was so much given. Unfortunately, we don't believe in it. We don't agree with it. We don't stand for it. I can't stand labels. I don't even like the word label. Uh, but with the academy and the way the business works, that so much had been given to so-called minorities, diversity, that uh, will be some time before a film like this gets a shot at the grand prize. They were not going to go moonlight, then call me by your name. But um, I did see six or seven of the nine nominees. And all due respect, um, I don't believe this was better than Shape of Water. Finally saw that the other day. The Shape of Water was great. I recommend seeing it. Uh, Superb cast. You cannot go wrong with uh, the superlative Richard Jenkins, uh, the incomparable Michael Shannon, or Octavia Spencer. You are always going to uh, leave uh, with your sensibilities enhanced, especially Michael Shannon. Uh, But it just... I didn't see how it clobbered everything with uh, best pictures and best directors. And um, again, that was, uh, I think in the last five years, four times, one time, two times was the same guy, but it was the third of four years or the third of five years that a Mexican American had won best director. So I know there was a lot of emphasis on the Oscars this year put on Mexican and, of course, my mother's Mexican, and I can say that, uh, being Mexican, and so that's the only reason why I'm using that label. But uh, this was, yes, the, the perfect uh, capturing of the human condition in the same way that Ang Lee did with Brokeback Mountain, but as you said, there had to be the sad ending. There had to be somebody heartbroken. There couldn't just be a separation of letting it be which is the hardest thing yeah. to do. And that was what was so great about uh, Call Me By Your Name. I kind of should have known, not taking away from the author or the filmmakers, that somebody couldn't have created an original movie that good and vice versa. I would need to read the book, but uh, that would be way out there to just come up with that as a movie idea. Um so yeah, this is this has uh, been a great way to segue back into uh, having Jim come by the show. There will be some more films. We talk about some other discussions we have as the show uh, takes some new directions with panels and uh, advanced screeners, film festivals. We are up to our usual. Uh, things, but we're also going to be introducing some new stuff um, as, of course, we have social issues being brought up in the film industry and many things to explore that uh, Jim, just being in his 70s, has a different perspective, and that's why we've had him as part of the show for the three and a half years that we've been going is to... uh, I remember there was a one-point... Uh, before we lost our uh, social media girl, Michi, that we actually had. uh, Michi was in her 20s. Our sound guy guy was in his 20s. Michi was 30. Um, I'm coming up on my 40s. Our other producer is coming up on his 50s. And Jim had just left his 60s. And it was for label purposes, it was 
married, unmarried, guy who'd been in a relationship, male, female, heterosexual, and homosexual. So I remember, remember Jim when we used to say we have we have every demographic, and and let's use this because there's no show that has that has a a team that's from twenty to seventy. And each label that none of us agree with. So um, that's really what we've been doing. And, uh, you know. We we had also one of those different demographics. Two people that really love Canadian cinema. You and me. Yes. I I love Canadian cinema. And the different... and yes, so we we want people to know that this show, even though in the in the end of last year it took a big turn, uh, go to www.talkingpicturesla.com. The show took a huge turn, where the last fifteen shows of the year were all released films to HBO or Netflix or iTunes or, and it was we had Oscar nominees, and then the first the shows this year were Oscar nominees and. Um, and it and yep. it kind of spent into this different not monster, but uh, I remember we had a student who won a film festival on the day before we had Rachel Morrison, who became the first woman to be nominated for a cinematography Oscar, and that was something else that I remember in our first meetings we said this show will be students to Oscar winners, and so it ended up being within the same twenty four hours. So we want people to know as you experience this show and uh, please tell your friends about it. Check it out on Facebook. I just started putting some videos on YouTube uh, that this is just here for film lovers. You don't have to have a PhD. You don't have to have two Oscars. You don't have to have made your first student film yet. Uh, We just want to, you know, enjoy the party and, and has, for a long time, we will continue to bring you content of uh, of everything that we can. So um, this has been great tonight, Jim. To uh, And please go in the archives, everyone. It's in the first 50 or so episodes. If you like Sidney Lumet, uh, Ang Lee, um, I forget there was one other director we did. Sidney Lumet, Ang Lee, Milos Forman which right there is Cuckoo's Nest. And uh, Jim and I did episodes where we broke different directors down, their filmographies, films we agreed on, films we disagreed on, so it wasn't just a praise the director hour. Um, Google, you'll see on the screen, my name and Jim, and you'll get a bunch of episodes. And that was kind of back when we were, uh, now we humbly get guests asking to be on. That was back when we were like chasing guests. So sometimes... The episodes were just, hey, we're you know we're gonna need to talk about Ang Lee for an hour this week. <laughs> so, yeah, well, yeah. Wait a minute, Paul. Part of it was, I mean, we had Ang Lee, we had Milosh Foreman. We could do that. One of the things that I've noticed about what we've had, what we've been able to do, what's been presented to us, is the last few years the level, the quality of what we're getting to play with is really, it's beautiful. It's its like, oh, oh, this is, you know, this isn't a dry year. This is 
juicy. Right, right, right. Yeah, and sometimes kind of just like uh, our other producer, Rob, who Jim and Rob were the first two people I called after two other friends had said, start a show, um, you know, have both said to me, have you ever kind of just taken a look back and been like, do you realize what's in the library? And we say that with the utmost gratitude and humility. And so we want you to explore the archives because you can go back into the archives. And if you liked Lion, we have the cinematographer when he was up for an Oscar. Uh, if you liked the, the show with the Roth Ballers, we have that cinematographer. If you just love hearing advanced reviews of indie films, We've had 40 or so guests with releases to theaters, iTunes, Amazon, Netflix, Fandango. Uh, We've had guests from all over the country and other countries. And so it truly has been a global thing. And I think this film is the best way to celebrate that is that uh, we all are just the same. And everyone on our team, that's been our intention. So that's basically all that's... uh, that's uh, come our way. So um, I wanted to say thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, we will be back soon with Jim to uh, get some kind of film discussion going. Uh, Jim, anything that you would, uh, that you would like to close with? Uh, let's see. Anything I would like to close with. Well, actually, you know, it, it, he said, you know, uh, I sort of am the representative for the gay community, huh? Uh, older. And it's just, you know, um, the gratitude I feel, the, 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 you know, that I've gotten to see movies for as long as I have, and that experience and what it's added to my life, what I've learned, what I've, uh, you know, oh, come on, the whole experience, what I've laughed at, cried at, blah, 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 all that stuff has been amazing. And, you know, looking at this movie, it shot me, you know, I'm going to say, shoot back to uh, to call me by your name, is I go back to stuff like, you know, Enchanté Moore and, uh, you know, the old Andy Warhol stuff and before that. And it's just, you know, again, it's been one of those rides. And it's been given to me by Talking Pictures. Hey, what can I say? I love it. Oh, yeah. No, well, we, you know, we appreciate that. And we are happy with that because for those of you that don't know, uh, we can just say that for over half a century, uh, Jim has been watching films and diving into them and studying them and obsessed with them. So given the fact that I'm not even 40 and one of our other producers isn't even 47, uh, that shows you the, (laughs) the amount of films, uh, seen, uh, yet to have my dad on as a host, but he started watching movies when he was, when he was, he's a, five years younger than Jim and he started about around the same age. So he's around 45 years. So, uh, when we really can take a time, I'm glad that Jim said that to take a step back and be appreciative as talking pictures that we get to go to film festivals, that we get to talk to filmmakers, 
that we get to see a screener of something and then actually in, actually laugh our ass off. I, I, I want to close with this film. It's coming to DVD May 8th called The Wedding Invitation. It's, right now it's on Amazon Prime. You can check it out or iTunes. But I remember just laughing my ass off at this film. It was such a joy. And then I just remember thinking... Uh, I've met the director, she's kind, she did our headshots, but then I just thought, how often do you get to just laugh till it hurts and then be like, I'm talking to the director in the morning? Yeah. Not like I hope one day I'll get to talk to them, not like maybe if I ever get to thank them, but I'm going to have a 45-minute conversation with this person and they're going to be open, and we're and so that's what we just want to say that uh, as we move into the next stage, and you new listeners, new supporters of Talking Pictures, jump back into those archives, have fun, enjoy the party, have some drinks, have some appetizers, and uh, just you know load up for what's next because we're here to service film. So. I'm going to end with aloha and peace. And Jim, I'll let you close it off with anything, any, any final words. Yes. Uh, everybody out there, may you have such beautiful days to surprise yourself. Amen to that. And bleep Trump. Sorry. Had to. <laughs> oh, All right. We will talk to you guys soon. Take care, audience. Be well.